our time together tonight in the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you've got a Bible handy and want to turn to 1 Corinthians 12 specifically and also a little bit in chapter 13 as well. Um, okay. Okay. Thank you all. It's recording. Awesome. Hello, Nancy. All right. We are in chapter 1 tonight. The title is, I Will Be a Functioning Church Member. And the importance of uh, being a church member who has a role, a responsibility, and performs that role. Uh, the chapter began with a discussion of uh, country club membership versus church membership. You think about being a member of a, of a country club versus being a member of a church. What are, um, what, what, when you think of country club membership, what, uh, what are some things that come to mind? What describes a country club membership? Privileges. Recreation. Dues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else? Country club membership. Somebody waiting on you. Okay. Somebody waiting on you, being served. Anything else? All right. We think about... Uh, church membership how does um, from what you read uh, and what you perceive church membership to be what uh, what are some of the differences there okay all right yeah no dues being necessary uh, welcoming at the church uh, everyone's well, an open invitation not just a select few. Carolyn, what was it? Did you say? Service. Service. Instead of being served, you serve. That's good. That's good. Anything else? Church membership. Family. Mm-hmm. Family. It is a privilege instead of having privileges. All right. It is a privilege. Okay. Instead of having privileges, it is a privilege. All right. Think about uh, country club membership. Other than paying your dues, is there any responsibilities? You know, just pay your dues and abide by the rules, and that's that. That's it. But about church membership, is there responsibilities involved in that? Should there be? Should be. Yes. Uh, sadly, a lot of people's mentality when they think of being a member of a church, sometimes it more closely resembles what they think of a country club membership ought to be instead of a church membership. Uh, some of the quotes that uh, I found uh, kind of comical, but at the same time kind of sad because I'm sure these are, are real um, quotes on the bottom of page 10. When in... Uh, it says, tragically, this understanding of membership is what many church members hold. And then there's these quotes. This is my church, so you have to play the music just the way I want it. Uh, look, <laughs> look, pastor, you need to remember who pays your salary. Uh, ouch. Uh, that hurts. Uh, if you don't do this program, I'll withhold my check to the church. And I've heard that. Yeah. 
that's a, uh, as if it's it's a punishment, you know, that I'm going to punish you by withholding my check. <laughs> I've never had that one yet, thankfully. Thankfully. Uh, <laughs> I've had some situations where people haven't really said but almost imply that uh, they're my boss because, you know, they do uh, uh, pay my salary. Although, um, yeah, the, the Lord is my boss. That's right. Uh, yeah, this next quote. I've been a member of this church for over 30 years, so I have a right to get what I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oscar Oscar can double that one, over double that one, over 30 years, so he gets double privileges. But yeah, yeah, Malcolm too. You've been how long have you been a member here, Malcolm? Do you know? Okay, so yeah, over 30 years for you as well. Um, but yeah, that that's one you sometimes run into some conflicts when you got a church that is growing, uh, like ours is, when you've got new people. And faces coming in, and sometimes people that's been there a long time, um, they don't really like that because they have to relinquish some of their, um, yeah, I hate to say power, but some people think of it that way, you know, that uh, I should have more rights and say so with what goes on in this church because I've been here longer. I heard one time, and I won't say the church, but I was at a, a meeting where someone. Um, stood up and said, you know, I've been in this church X number of years. I I have paid more tithes and offerings in this church than some of these other folks, and so I should have more say. Um, and I was, you know, you you could hear some of the, the oxygen come out of the room when, when they said that. But, I mean, to them it made sense. You know, I've, I've put more money into this church. You know, the older generation has. The older generation should have more say. So... Um, another quote here. Uh, I don't pay good. I don't pay good money to this church to listen to sermons that long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Nobody's ever come out and said that they pay good money. You know. But uh, yeah. No, actually. Yeah, yeah. I pay good money. You cut your sermon shorter. You know. Thankfully, I, you know that's something I don't. I, I've never heard. Anybody, you know, complain about the length? You know, I I sometimes complain about it. I go back and look and listen. I'm like, wow, it's long. But uh, anyway, it says, okay, you get the picture. Those unfortunately typical comments come from members of churches who have an unbiblical view of membership. Their view of membership is more aligned with country club membership. And then it says, uh, for them, membership is about receiving instead of giving. We talked about that. Uh, Being served instead of serving. Uh, rights instead of responsibilities and entitlements instead of sacrifices. So those are the things we're going to keep in mind as we go through our scriptures uh, here this evening. All right, uh, number one in our outline is this. Membership means we are all necessary parts of the whole. If we think about church membership, you think about the church as a whole, Members are all parts of that whole. Um, And if one of the parts is missing, it impacts the whole. Uh, And according to the author, we're going to see from Scripture, that church membership 
means that you are a necessary part of the whole. That God has put you uh, into this church for a reason. You are necessary to the success uh, of the church and the well-being of the church. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 and 28. It says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And so Paul, one of his favorite metaphors for the church is the body of Christ. And he talks about different body parts uh, having different functions and so forth. Uh, and each part's necessary. There's not a part on the, on the body that's, uh, that plays no role. Um, and it says that you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Verse 28 says, And God has appointed in the church first prophets, second, uh, or first apostles, second prophets, then third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healings, helps, ministrations, various kinds of tongues, and talks about all of the different uh, things that, uh, that God has um, put within the body of Christ, the different uh, roles and, and different uh, gifts to serve the church. Uh, and then back in chapter 12, verse 12, it says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Um, so God has put you into this church as an intricate, a, an important, a necessary part of what he intends to do. Uh, in the life and through the life of this church. Necessary parts of the whole. Um, and when something is necessary and you take it away, what happens? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. If you think about uh, the human body, you take away a part that's, that's necessary. Um, you know, it impacts the whole take away a part that's necessary the, it, the whole becomes unhealthy um, take away a part that's necessary then another part has to compensate um, you know think about when you when you lose the use uh, of a hand um, then your your other hand has to do more than it normally does and so that's an, that's an important thing to think of when you consider the church. God has put you here as a necessary part when you don't participate or when you don't attend or when you don't do whatever it is God's called you to do. Either what God has put you here to do doesn't get done, which negatively impacts the whole, or someone else has to do what you're supposed to do. And they might not be best equipped to do the job you're supposed to do but they got to do it anyway or it don't get done uh, so membership means we're all necessary parts of the whole but also uh, secondly membership means we are different but still work together membership means we are different but still work together um this is the concept of diversity and unity at the same time. Uh, you have diverse parts, different parts, 
but they come together in unity to work and to make sure that the whole benefits. Um, verse 26 of chapter 12 says, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so if one part of your body is suffering um, and it's in pain, you know, it impacts the whole, does it not? It's not just, well, you know, that that, that finger feels bad because <laughs> I smashed it in a window or whatever the case may be. You know, it's the, your, your entire body, you know, you feel that pain. Uh, it's not something separately detached from the rest. It's, it's connected. It's all part of the same body. And when one part suffers, the entire body suffers. Um... And also, when one part is honored, all the members rejoice with it, or when one member is glorified. And so when we think about uh, diversity, we think about each has a different function. Uh, we think about unity. They come together and work. Uh, and then we think about this concept of, of one suffering and one being honored, um, and this is in the context now of, of the body of Christ, of being members of, of the body of Christ, members of the church. How does that translate, do you think, when you think about uh, this, this idea of one member, uh, one member suffer, all members suffer, if one member is honored, all members rejoice. How might that translate practically to here in our congregation? If our church is a body composed of different members, Paul says if one member suffers, all members suffer. How does, what does that look like in context of the local church? Compassion and caring and serving. Mm-hmm. Because there are times when one member does suffer. Am I right? Yeah. Suffering, it comes to each and every member at different times. So one member suffers, all the members suffer with them. Uh, we empathize. We, we're there to, to help. Uh, much like Floyd was talking about this morning, you know, that all the compassion and care that he has received through his injury, and we talk about um, as the church, uh, there are times where we need to be served. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, especially, as I said, you know, in Floyd's situation, he's done so much to serve members of this church and serve his church as a whole. And now the, the, the time has come for him to receive service. And nothing wrong with that. Um, so as one member suffers, all the members suffer along with them. Uh, when someone endures tragedy and, and heartache, we, we're there to, to weep with one another and comfort one another and encourage one another. Uh, and then on the on the flip side, when one member is honored or one member rejoices, all rejoice with it. Uh, how does that look in the local church if one member rejoices or is honored and we all rejoice? Amy having a baby, everybody's excited and happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. 
right? When somebody has something worth rejoicing in their life as an individual, they're a part of this body. Um, and so when they rejoice, you know, we all rejoice. Yes, yes. When you've got a member, someone who is accepting Christ and being baptized and joining the fellowship, joining the body, as Chase did, we, we celebrate that, you know, together, collectively. And so we're there for each other in the bad times, we're there for each other in the good times, and, uh, and we, as one body, uh, either suffer together or rejoice together. Uh, even though we're individuals, there's diversity, there is unity. Uh, we are one body, and we work together. Thirdly, membership means everything is based on a biblical foundation of love. Emphasize the word biblical because when you throw the word love around, there's all kinds of ideas and conceptions and thoughts and you know, there's different ways to you know think about the word love. Somebody says, I love pizza. You know, somebody says, you know, I love Kentucky basketball. Or you say to your spouse, I love you. You know, there's, it means different things. At least it ought to. It's a word that's become watered down. Uh, it's a word that has uh, a lot of different, as I said, connotations. But we need a biblical view of love. Uh, and what, what is love? Well, we have this chapter there in chapter 13. Um, it's often referred to as the love chapter in the Bible. Um, and it is oftentimes read in situations, weddings, um, and, um, and uh, mentioned in, uh, in um, greeting cards, you know, anniversary cards, or, or whatever the case may be, uh, to a spouse. Uh, and it mentions all these characteristics about love, uh, specifically verses 4 uh, and following. Love is patience, love is kind, and is not jealous, does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. And so we read all this and we're like, wow, that, that's, that's sweet, that's, that's moving, you know, that's, that's awesome. So I think about my relationship with my significant other or with my children or, or with a dear friend. You know, these are, are characteristics that, that are very applicable in those kind of relationships. But what is the context in which Paul is writing specifically, you know, this chapter, with what the chapter is in front of it, chapter 12 and chapter 14 that comes after it, it's stuck right in the middle of two chapters dealing with what subject? What, what are we talking about? You know, spiritual gifts that are to be used where? In the church. So Paul is writing in a context of church membership uh, of serving the body of Christ in chapter 12 it, it's it's clearly what he's talking about right talking about serving in the church chapter 14 we don't really get so much into tonight but it is about the gifts how the gifts are to be utilized in the church 
uh, and talks about speaking in tongues and prophecies and and and, and you know the different uh, um, you know contexts and, and rules and so forth that that he mentions on these gifts. But it's clearly about church membership and serving in the church. And right smack dab in the middle of talking about church membership and serving in the church, there's this big chapter on love. So when Paul was pinning these words in, in the love chapter, he didn't you know, immediately think of, I'm writing about a spouse declaring their love for someone else. He's writing about church members loving each other. So he says, being part of a church, this should be the way you go about serving in the church. Patience, kindness, not jealous, not bragging, not arrogant, not unbecoming, not seeking your own, not provoked, not taking into account a wrong suffered, not rejoicing in unrighteousness, but rejoicing with truth. You know, what does that mean? And rejoicing in unrighteousness. How? Why would we do that? Or, or why would I'm saying we? Maybe you do, but why do sometimes people rejoice in the unrighteousness of someone else? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, you know, look at them. You know, they're they're getting. Well, I, like, I'm not that bad. You know. Hey, you know, brother so and so or sister so and so. You know, you know. Remember uh, our opening story last week when the guy was talking about the fella in their church that had an affair, and it was like he was almost rejoicing in the fact that one had fallen, so he could say, you know, "What a hypocrite that guy was." You know, we're not rejoicing in the unrighteousness of others and the shortcomings of others. Uh, we don't rejoice in that. We 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 hurt with that. And Paul says, we rejoice in the truth. We rejoice in, 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 in the right way, the correct way. We bear all things with other church members. We believe all things. Um, you know, believe in one another. Uh, we, we hope the best for one another. We, we endure all things uh, with one another, whatever's going on. And um, when, we, when we're wronged, we, so we bear no record of that. And then love never fails. We never fail one another. We we sometimes fall and make mistakes, but we are there for one another. So that's the context of this chapter. It's talking about being in the church uh, and how that impacts um, church membership. And the author was sharing that uh, this kind of love would be the foundation for revival in churches. If 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 every church member thought this way and acted this way towards one another. Um, we would have revival in our churches. Uh, we would have healthy churches. We would have churches that uh, um, cared for one another and, and, and reached out and shared the lost with others. You know, it's the basis for revival that we're longing for and praying for. But not only that, we think about love. We think about the mandate of loving others. Um, you know, Based on what we're reading here, are we required to love someone who's not lovable? Yeah. Of course, nobody in this church is unlovable. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm unlovable at times. I'll admit it. You know, sometimes I'm not the most loving or lovable person. But, huh? Yeah, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. You know, 
but yeah, we are called to love one another. It's not conditional. Well, I will love this church member so long as they agree with my point of view. I'll love this church member so long as they don't vote against me in the business meeting according, you know, when I have an idea about something. I, I will love this church member so long as they are nice to me and they're friendly to me. Um, but if they're not, then I don't have to love them. You know, that might float in the country club. That don't work in the church. We are to love one another. The unlovable or moments of being unlovable, we are to continue loving. You know, loving doesn't necessarily mean you have to to like or enjoy, but you you serve and you bear with and you rejoice in the truth. Uh, you're not provoked. Um, you're not jealous. You're not arrogant, thinking you're better than someone or wanting something somebody else has. Um, you know, we we love one another. We care for one another. And it, by the way, the word love in this chapter there, there's three different words for love in Greek. Uh, there's a love that refers to a, a passionate love, eros. We get the word erotic from that. There's a love, uh, a brotherly love, uh, in Philos, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Um, and that's where you have a, a care, a compassion for one another. Uh, you enjoy someone's friendship and companionship. But then there's agape love, which is the love God has for us. God is love uh, in Greek. God is agape. That's that sacrificial love that intentionally puts the needs of someone else ahead of your own. Uh, it is a, it is a supernatural. It comes from God. You can't love in an agape kind of way unless God is in your life and in your heart. Uh, you just can't. Um, it's an unselfish, um, committed kind of love, a covenant kind of love. And that's, that's what Paul is writing about here in 1 Corinthians 13. That's the word he's using, agape, that kind of love, a God love, a supernatural love for one another, for your members uh, sitting across the aisle, your members in front or behind you in your pew, in your Sunday school class, uh, sitting uh, in the fellowship hall together. We are to love one another in a supernatural, God-centered, God-pleasing kind of way. Loving the unlovable, because guess what? God loved you when you were not lovable. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love, as a agape for us, in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So there was a time where God did not consider you lovable and he loved you anyway. And therefore, we ought to have that same mentality. It's not a love saying, well, if I get in return, I will give. No, it says, even if I don't have love reciprocated to me, I'm still going to love. It means we um, seek the best interests of others. We serve others. Membership means... Everything is based on a biblical foundation of love. Number four, church membership is functioning membership. You know, in the country club, there's really no function to you being there. I mean, you could come or go, uh, and it's going to, it's going to, you know, they they might miss your dues. <laughs> <laughs> but 
other than that, that's the only function really that you that you bring to the table. But church membership is functioning membership. We talked about the diversity in the body, different body parts. And each part has a different role, a different function. In uh, chapter 12, again, verses 12 uh, through 26, Paul talks about uh, being part of the body as the body is one and yet has many members. All the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all are made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And then he starts talking about uh, the different parts of the human body. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it's not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? <laughs> if, the whole body, if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? And so the, the human body, we have different parts. Each part is a different role to play. Each part is equipped to do something unique. You know, the, 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 the finger does something different than the tongue that does something different than the ear. You know, each part has a different role to play. You know, we think about you know, the heart, your, your lungs, kidneys. You know, each part does something different. It's part of one whole but it functions differently by design. And that's important. You know, by design. Verse 18, it says, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. So when God sculpted Adam, and God created all the parts of Adam, it wasn't a mistake, it wasn't evolution. God sculpted Adam and had the parts that he had for a reason. It was by his design. By God's will, he put the parts into the body for the benefit of the body. Now think along that metaphor and apply that to church membership. What does that say to, to us? What does it say about you being in this church? Why are you in this church according to this verse? Yeah, because God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body. You are a part of this church because God put you here. You are a part of this church because in God's grand design, He said, I want Ephesus Baptist Church to have fill-in-the-blank as a member so they might fill-in-the-blank to serve in the church. You are part of this body because God placed you here. And if God placed you here, it's no mistake. If God placed you here, you're not insignificant. You're vital. You are important. Or else He wouldn't have put you here. You are part of the body just as he desired. It was God's desire for you to be a part of this fellowship, whether you've been a member of this church for 70 plus years or whether you've been a member of this church for, uh, like Brother Chase, a few hours. <laughs> you know, God has placed you here because it was his desire. 
right here, right now, in this time, in this place, we're all here meshed together and knitted together because God has a plan for you in this season and me in this season in this church. I think that's an awesome way to think about church membership. And Paul says in verse 20, Now there are many members, but there's only one body. So he's talking about those body parts that you know, maybe thought less of themselves and said, well, I'm not this. But then he goes on to talk about those body parts that, that look down on other parts. In verse 21 and following, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. You know, you might think, well, I'm not necessary to this church. I don't play an important role. I'm I'm one of the weaker members of this church. So what? You are here because you've got a function, whatever that is. You might not think it's much, but God does. Or he wouldn't have put you here. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have gifted you with whatever spiritual gifts that you have for no reason. And by the way, if you are a Christian and you are born again by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, He has gifted you to do something in this church. Now over time, sometimes those gifts, they, He modifies them into something else. Sometimes He adds gifts as, as, as your uh, faith increases. But you are a Christian you've got some sort of spiritual gift that God has equipped you to utilize in the church and it's up to you to find out what that is at a church I can help you in that process Uh, we'll talk some more about that here in just a minute but yeah we don't think less of ourselves than others we don't consider I'm not as valuable as they are he says we're all valuable and at the same time we don't look down on other members and say oh I don't need you I don't need him I don't need her well, for part of the same body, yes, you do. Yes, you do. So that eliminates pride and arrogance. Remember, love is not arrogant. It's not boastful. does not brag. Um, you know, love is not jealous. It means we don't walk around saying, man, I just wish I had, you know, their gifts. Or, you know, maybe that's not the way it's saying. It's saying, you know, I'm more deserving to have these gifts than they are because they've got these gifts and yet they don't ever utilize them or they don't ever show up or or I would be much more you know uh, useful if I had those kind of gifts we're not we're not thinking that way you know we're not jealous love is not jealous uh, we we need one another because we suffer together we rejoice together we are one body so he talks about the foot the hand the ear the nose and how they are designed to function and uh, that makes sense to us. You know, we look at the human body. It's obvious. Different parts, one body. Different functions, but yet unity. And so that is the picture that we have of church membership, according to Paul uh, in these chapters. All right, let's look at our study questions together on page 19 and 20. We talked about the first one, how country club membership and church membership are so different. Uh, the difference of, of giving service, or giving for service, that's a country club, isn't it? Giving for service, or giving service. 
You know, one you're expecting service, and the other one you are imparting service. Uh, give scriptural references to support the differences in church membership, and we have looked at that uh, tonight. Anybody want to add anything to number one there? All right. Number two, explain why church membership is a biblical concept using 1 Corinthians 12 as your biblical foundation because there are some that will argue with you that say, oh, I don't need to be in a church. You know, it's just me and God. There are a lot of people like that. That is, that is I would say, it's the prevailing attitude that we have amongst professing Christians today. Is I don't need the church. Um, you know, it's just me and God. But what we've looked at biblically, how is church, excuse me, how is church membership a biblical concept using what we've talked about tonight as your foundation? Right. Yeah. Thank you. 